Hello and welcome to Runkle of the Bailey. My name is Ian Runkle. I'm a Canadian criminal defense and firearms lawyer. Today I want to talk about a change to the Public Prosecution Service of Canada guidelines for how to prosecute 4-1 uh, CDSA offenses. So the Public Prosecution Service of Canada is the federal crown. They deal with a number of offenses, but most commonly perhaps uh, drug offenses. 4.1 of the Controlled Drugs and Substances Act is the section that refers to what lawyers call simple possession of drugs. And by simple possession, we mean that there's no, uh, there's no charge that relates to doing something more serious with the drugs. So it's not suggested that you had these drugs because you were dealing them or because you were producing them or anything like that. It's just somebody just had the drugs and almost certainly for just personal use. What we see here is that there's been a change to how they're going to go about prosecuting these. And they say the purpose of the guideline is to articulate a principled prosecutorial litigation approach to the well-documented realities about the health impact of substance use while acknowledging that certain drug use may present particular public safety concerns, particularly when associated with other criminal conduct. And they note, this approach reflects the multiple tools Parliament has created and prosecutorial policies incorporated over time. These include drug treatment courts, alternative measures, as well as judicial referral hearings. It also reflects three realities. Substance use has a significant health component. In addition to the personal health component, substance use may be associated with conduct that poses separate serious public safety concerns requiring a criminal enforcement component. And simple possession may result in a criminal record as well as a fine or a short period of incarceration. Criminal sanctions as a primary response have a limited effectiveness as specific or general deterrence, and two, as a means of addressing the public safety concerns when considering the harmful effects of criminal records and short periods of incarceration. What does this mean? What they're saying is that first, substance use is probably better thought of as a public health concern rather than as a criminal offense, at least when we're talking about simple possession and no other criminal activity. But they note that because it's associated with other crimes, that that may be a time when the criminal justice system is more triggered and needs to be uh, more in play. So for instance, if you have somebody who takes drugs and then steals, or takes drugs and then gets violent, or steals in order to get drugs, these are more serious sorts of considerations. But they're also noting simple possession may result in a criminal record as well as a fine or a short period of incarceration, and that this itself may not address the public safety concerns in a useful way. The example I'll give here is quite commonly back when marijuana use was still illegal, you'd find people who were found with a small amount of marijuana that was clearly just intended for their personal use. And the problem with getting a conviction, if you get a conviction for possession of marijuana, is that it can actually have some fairly serious consequences, notwithstanding the fact that typically the Crown was not seeking jail time or the like. If the Crown is seeking just a small fine, then you get a fine, but this goes on your criminal record. And then if you want to travel to other countries, that criminal record can be devastating. So you can see somebody who might have gotten a $100 fine for possession of drugs and loses out on a 
$100,000 a year job in another country because now they have that on their record and they can't travel. When public safety concerns arise from the substance use, it is often associated with other criminality, such as weapons possession and the threat of or commission of violent crime. Consideration must be given to, as to whether the public safety concerns associated with the substance use are more readily addressed through the prosecution of the other criminal activity. So if we think about this, you know, if you've got somebody who's on meth but is walking around carrying, uh, you know, in a dramatic example, if they're walking around carrying a loaded handgun, you're going to get much more serious and real jail time out of the possession of the handgun than you will out of the drug file. So it may be a situation where it just doesn't make sense to prosecute the possession of the meth and instead just go for the handgun. So they have another or a section of principles. These are the principles that they're supposed to follow going forward. So the first is resort to a criminal prosecution of the possession of a controlled drug or controlled substance should be generally reserved for the most serious manifestations of the offense, which they say are described in paragraph three. They also, and this is a place where there's a little bit of clumsy language. In all instances, alternatives to prosecution should be considered unless they are inadequate to address the concerns related to the conduct, including in the following circumstances. This is actually badly phrased because the circumstances that they list below are circumstances where they suggest that alternatives would be appropriate, notwithstanding the fact that the grammar here actually says the opposite. So the first is the possession relates to a substance use disorder. In particular, alternatives to prosecutions should be pursued where the offender is enrolled in a drug treatment program or a course of treatment provided under the supervision of a health professional, including those involving indigenous culture-based programming, peer counseling, and abstinence-based recovery centers. What do they mean by this? If they find somebody who's trying to quit meth and they find them with a little bit of meth, which really is a common circumstance because people who are trying to quit often have little minor relapses. They're saying maybe it's not the best thing to arrest them, to hit them with new charges, and to maybe blow that up. So this makes some sense. The next is if the offender's conduct arises from the violation of a bail condition and can be addressed adequately through a judicial referral hearing. What this means is that if you have breached your bail, the court can change your bail conditions and might instead impose stricter conditions or the like. So that's another option instead of pursuing a prosecution if that's on the table. The next is the offender's conduct can be adequately addressed through an approved alternative measure or a measure that is consistent with the principles contained in Chapter 3.8, governing alternative measures. So alternative measures programs are typically things like community service, where you do some community service and then ultimately they withdraw the charge. So it's like it never happened. This can be a big thing for keeping something off your record, which if you're talking about somebody who might have a professional designation or might have some other reason why a criminal record would be really bad, this is a way that they can potentially sort of pay a price, but without having that punishment of the criminal record, which can be quite destructive. The next is the offender is an indigenous person and their conduct can be addressed through an indigenous restorative justice response or 
the offender's conduct can be addressed through a restorative justice, justice response. So if there are restorative justice approaches that might work better, those should be considered. Not necessarily that they have to be followed, but they should be considered. Section 3 talks about the areas that are considered more serious and where the, they should probably consider going with criminal charges. So the first is conduct that poses a risk to the safety or well-being of children or young persons. And that's because it was either committed in the vicinity of places frequented by children or young persons. So if you're doing drugs on a schoolyard, if you're doing drugs maybe even at like an LRT station, this kind of thing, that might be considered more serious. Or committed by a person who is in a position of trust or statutory authority in respect of children or young persons. So if we think of a teacher found with a bag of meth, maybe that's a time for criminal charges. This could also potentially be used against parents, and that might be a little more concerning in the sense that if we're starting to think about somebody being punished extra just because they're a parent, unless there's actual parent like issues with the child having been in danger or the like, I'm not sure I agree with this, but I'm not the one who sets this policy. It is what it is. Next is conduct that puts at risk the health and, or safety of others, including simple possession associated with impairment from substance abuse while preparing to drive, being responsible for supervision of a person driving or driving a motor vehicle operating machinery, possession of a weapon or performing an activity that poses a risk to public health or safety. So this is really capturing if you're taking meth or heroin or whatever and driving a car or perhaps working on a job site involving a backhoe, this is a situation where your use of drugs could hurt other people. Note also the possession of a weapon. So if you're just going to the range, but you also happen to have a little bit of cocaine on you, they might decide that they want to prosecute the cocaine rather than letting that slide. The next one is conduct that poses a heightened risk to a community's efforts to address consumption of controlled substances in accordance with its own community approaches. This concern is often present in relation to isolated or remote communities. What I think they're talking about here specifically is that you've got some particularly Aboriginal communities that might be a dry town, or they might be having a particular problem with a certain substance. So where that community is trying to crack down on something or trying to maintain a dry town, it might be a time to proceed with criminal charges instead of just instead of these other measures. So in particular, I think this will affect some remote and especially Aboriginal communities. The next is conduct where there's a factually grounded basis to associate it with another offense contrary to the CDSA, including cultivation, production, harvesting, trafficking or possession for the purpose of trafficking, obtaining a prescription substance for the purpose of trafficking or the use of others, or importation of a controlled uh, substance for commercial gain. What I think they're meaning here is that if sometimes there'll be a circumstance where there's all these signs that somebody's engaging in drug trafficking, but they just don't have enough drugs on them at the time to really ground a possession for the purpose of trafficking. So you might have somebody where they, they go and they get a search warrant because they find they've heard that this person is trafficking drugs. They find scales that might be contaminated with drugs, indicating that they've been used for, you know, weighing out uh, drugs. 
They find baggies that of a size and shape that suggest that they're used for drugs. They find, you know, uh, score sheets, which refers to essentially ledgers that are being used to keep tabs on debts and how much is how much is bought and sold. So essentially the books of a drug keeping or drug dealing operation. And then the guy only has half a gram of meth is all they find in the house, which mostly in a circumstance like that probably means he got really lucky and just didn't happen to have anything at home when the police came. This suggests that that's probably a circumstance where they might want to prosecute the simple possession of the meth just as a deterrent here. Next is conduct in breach of the rules of a regulated setting such as a custodial facility, jail, or penitentiary. Drugs are unfortunately not terribly difficult to find in most, uh, most jails, but it's a situation where they very much want to crack down on that so they're saying it might be a circumstance where they'd want to proceed with criminal charges instead of more diversionary approaches. And this is another one that is uh, kind of interesting because it's one of the few places, I think I've seen this almost never, where they actually suggest an increase in prosecution uh, for peace officers or public officers. They say conduct committed by a peace officer or public officer where it is relevant to the discharge of their duties. So if you have an officer who has some meth on them and they're going out and doing police officer things, you know, stopping people, maybe that's a situation where we don't want them to be doing drugs or to be possessing drugs. Similarly, if it was a situation where they perhaps diverted some drugs, they found drugs on a person and decided to keep some, this is a situation where they're saying that should be prosecuted. I think this section is, again, really interesting because I'm not familiar with a whole lot of places where police officers are specifically called out for extra punishment. Not that, uh, not that simple possession offenses are typically punished that harshly. Usually what happens with simple possession offenses is either fines or short periods of jail. Just in terms of discussion of this, I think this is actually probably a good idea. Most of the time when you're talking about simple possession, if there's nothing else going on, it's not that serious. You might be talking about an addict who just happens to have a little bit of drugs for their own use. And it would be much better if we can get these people to get treatment rather than getting them to get criminal records. In particular, what often happens with sort of harder drugs is people will get jail terms in the amount of like 30 days. And a 30-day jail sentence doesn't do a whole lot in terms of deterrence. It's not a serious, it's not a very heavy jail sentence. But what it can do is it can really blow up your life. If you're not able to serve that sentence intermittently, which means sometimes it's, sometimes there's a provision that allows for you to serve your sentence on weekends, for example. But if you're not able to do that, that 30-day sentence will probably mean that you lose your apartment and quite possibly all of your stuff, if that was there, that you lose your job and various other consequences that really disconnect people from the things that tend to make them behave well in society. In particular, if you think of a drug addict, there are a number of drug addicts that are wandering around our society right now where you wouldn't notice it. And the reason why you wouldn't notice it is because they're people who are maintaining a day job, keeping their addiction to a level where it's probably causing them some 
some consequences, but it's not rendering them unable to function. So there, you, you can have functioning meth addicts the way you get functioning alcoholics and so forth. And so long as they're able to maintain their employment and be able to afford their drugs, it doesn't spiral out of control. But once they lose their job, now they've got this addiction that has to be fed, and that often turns them to more serious crimes, either property crimes in order to get money to buy more drugs, or possibly dealing drugs. Uh, often, if they're not able to provide money to buy the drugs, they might be told, well, you can sell some drugs and thereby make money to get more drugs. I think if we can break up that pattern, that'll be a benefit for society. And I like the I like the approach here where they still maintain it as an option for the more serious more serious situations and also provide some guidance and framework as to what that might be. So I think this is a positive development. Ultimately, we don't know how it's going to work out in practice yet. It's still very early. This has been in place for 2 days. But I think this is overall a promising development and I wanted to share it with uh, with you, my viewers. If you found this interesting, please like, share, and subscribe. It really does help. I do appreciate it. And further, if you want to contribute, there's my Patreon. Oh, there should be a link below. I want to give a special thank you to my buddy Keith, who is a Patreon supporter. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, please feel free to leave them in the comments section below. I do try to respond to as many of them as I can. And once again, thank you. I appreciate your viewership.